Let's start this show with a little optimism, and that comes courtesy of one of our most loyal listeners, Philip. Philip's been supporting West of Everest for many seasons of OU football now, and we really appreciate his engagement with the show on the Facebook page. Speaking of the Facebook page, Philip commented this week with the following, quote, I don't get it. We've complained for almost a decade now about the defense, and when the defense starts showing signs of serious improvements, it's just two games, but anyone with eyes can see that it's better. All we can do is complain about offense. I just don't get it. An offense can get hot. An offense can develop and be ready four to six games in, but a defense can't be fixed that fast. I think we've traded a bad problem for a fixable one, and we're still complaining like we have a really bad problem. Going from Lincoln to Levy is going to be a step down initially, no matter how good Levy is. Lincoln is an offensive savant. Offense will continue to trend up while defense is dramatically improved, technically and fundamentally, and it's hard to not feel optimistic about the trajectory of the team. And he adds at the end, sorry for the optimistic homer take. I think we deserve one every now and then, end quote. And it's not just Philip who's noticed a defensive improvement through two games. Steven replied to Philip's comment on the West of Evers Facebook page saying, I couldn't agree more. The zone is too soft still, but the talent is significantly upgraded. You see individuals show out frequently, and the tackling is better and more consistent than I have seen in years. The offense will round into shape, end quote. Thanks to both Philip and Stephen for those thoughts. It's always nice to hear from West of Everest listeners. We all know each and every person who listens to this show is passionate about the Sooners, and also everybody has passionate opinions about the team, which of course we think is great. Now, I don't necessarily disagree at all with what Philip and Steven have seen so far on the field. I mentioned it last episode, despite the Havoc numbers being way down through two games, this defense does seem much better than what we saw at the end of the 2022 season. But as much as I enjoy looking at the national statistics and seeing that Oklahoma is not near the bottom of college football in total defense right now, I'm still just kind of standing back here, arms crossed with one eyebrow raised. Could this all be a mirage all over again, just like last year? We'll get an answer to that question soon. And contrary to popular belief, I do think we can learn a lot about Oklahoma, the defensive side of the ball, this weekend at Tulsa. Truly good to really good defenses, especially Brent Venable's defenses in the Clemson era, always seem to have fun and toy with teams like Tulsa. The Golden Hurricane has a great offensive mind and head coach Kevin Wilson, but their offense has been an influx through two games. Quarterback Braylon Braxton injured his ankle in the first half of TU's season opener against Arkansas Pine Bluff. And actually, he wasn't all that good before the injury anyways, throwing a couple of picks. And then TU's backups did pretty well finishing the game against Pine Bluff, but it was a different story last Saturday at Washington when the Huskies held the Golden Hurricane to 10 points and only 4.4 yards per play. Kevin Wilson has declined to name a starting quarterback for the Oklahoma game, but for what it's worth, starter Braylon Braxton is listed at the top of the depth chart for this week. Either way, no matter who plays quarterback, if Oklahoma's defense is much improved, like it looks like it is through two games, the Sooners should be able to put together a performance similar to Washington. Low scoring, good from down to down, and giving up few big plays. Saturday is game number three. At this time last season, we all felt really, really good about the Sooners. And then a week and a half later, we were all very confused by what we saw on a Saturday evening against K-State. I like the optimism by Philip and Steven. I really do. 
And I also am choosing to be optimistic about the defense, but with one small caveat. Put me down for cautiously optimistic as Oklahoma plays into week three. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Tenth play of the drive, and the pass is caught by Farouk. Into the five, touchdown! Jalil Farouk, and the Sooners respond. Jaleel Farouk welcomes us into another edition of West of Everest. Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson joining you a day later than usual. Apologies for that. I just got back from Cheyenne, Wyoming earlier this evening here on Thursday. Meanwhile, Grant was in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he just got back to Minneapolis a little bit ago as well. So uh, one quick little note. I was listening back to our last episode and realized I made an editing mistake that all of you, I'm sure, caught if you listened to the show. Uh, Grant dropped off a bit in the middle of our recording uh, on Saturday night, and uh, we had him reconnect and continued on, and normally I would edit around that stuff, but I forgot, so uh, thankfully it wasn't like too long of a delay, and it wasn't too much of a distraction on the episode, Uh, but speaking of a distraction, Art Bryles was at the Oklahoma game last Saturday, came down on the field after the game was over. Browse's presence was documented with a photo, which then led to an Art Bryles, Jeff Levy, OU football news cycle for about the next 48 hours or so. And Levy opened his Monday morning press conference with a statement addressing the situation. Levy said, just want everybody to understand my father-in-law, his presence on the field after the game the other night is just something that created a distraction. And I do apologize for that. That was not the intent at all. The intent was just to celebrate with my family. Lebby continued, Joe Casiglione, Coach Venables, both have addressed concerns with me, have talked to me about it, and again, can make sure that everybody understands that this is something that will not come up again, end quote. Now, Lebby declined to answer any follow-ups about Art Bryles or about any predetermined agreements that Lebby may have made with Joe Castiglione and Brent Venables before Lebby was hired on at Oklahoma. That last part, notable because Castiglione released a statement Saturday night saying that he was disappointed and was under the impression a situation like that would never happen based on boundaries that were previously set. Now, if you listen to the entire show last Saturday, Grant and I briefly touched on this at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the episode. Uh, somebody on the West of Ever's Facebook page mentioned it. Uh, we both didn't really have a whole lot to say about it, and that's not changed today. Do I like Art Bryles? No. Did I like seeing him wearing a bunch of Oklahoma gear? No. Is this something that is worth burning calories getting truly upset about? Also no. Clearly, I'm not somebody who gets too worked up over things like this, but uh, clearly a lot of people do. And whether you are or not, Jeff Lebby has to be aware of that. And if what Castiglione said in that statement is true, that there were previous boundaries put in place that were supposed to prevent a situation like that happening, then that, I think, reflects poorly on Jeff Levy. And I'm kind of curious to see what kind of impact this has or has had on his relationship with Brent Venables. Hopefully, this is not going to be a big thing that affects the team throughout the entire season. All right, so with that in the rear view, I'll bring in Grant for the first time. And Grant, I know uh, you didn't have much to say about the Art Bryles Levy thing on Saturday. You don't have to comment on it now if you don't want to. Uh, instead, we can just move on to OU, or we can talk about this Eagles-Vikings game that's playing as we're watching this, uh, or as we're recording this episode. Yeah, man, props to Amazon. They have a really good broadcast uh, set up for this. But anyway, no, I mean, the last thing I'll say on it is that 
I, I share a lot of the feelings you do. I don't like Art Bryles. Before even the scandal stuff happened at Baylor, he had a reputation for being a scumbag. Um, he's probably not somebody that OU should want to associate with. Um, that was a risk that they were taking when they hired Jeff Lebby. There was a lot of people, there's a lot of OU fans who feel really uncomfortable with it. That's just a fact. Whether or not we like that or not, that's the case. To me, the biggest story of this in terms of like the long-lasting stuff is, does that drive a wedge between Jeff Lebby and Brent Venables and Joe Castiglione? That's the newsworthy aspect of this, in my opinion. Um, if it is any sort of evidence of any sort of just... Uh, if it's evidence that not everyone is on the same page in terms of the administration and the coaching staff, then yes, that's a big red flag. We don't like that. That's not good. Um, but I'll be honest with you, this entire week, it has been the A topic this entire week. Um, and it's hard for me just to get past my annoyance that it's the A topic. It's not something that we should be talking about uh, during the football season. And and that's that's on a lot of different people. It's if, you know, nobody is wrong for noticing it and being upset about it, but yeah, I mean, there's just there's so many different things that had to happen there for it to get to the point where it just kind of blew up, and that's just that's unfortunate, and it annoys me big time. I share your annoyance, absolutely. Okay, let's talk OU football, and I want to start with the injury situation. Uh, we got some updates, kind of, from Brent Venables, and uh, no, not really from Jeff Lebby, but mainly Brent Venables, and so uh, we'll start with Cheetah, uh, Desan McCullough. All we got from Venables this week is that he's, quote, uh, Venables is, quote, hopeful to get McCullough back. Uh, I saw that McCullough, exactly kind of what I, I figured last week. He uh, it just it didn't the tone of Venables when he talked about McCullough last week around this time or last Tuesday or two Tuesdays ago. To me, it just it kind of came off as like, yeah, I'd be surprised if we see McCullough play. Uh, he dressed for the SMU game, but but he didn't go through warmups and he, he didn't play. Uh, but, but we did see um, out there, who was the other guy who was kind of, who might, wasn't there one other player we were like, oh, uh, Drake Stoops. Drake Stoops played, and kind of what we thought. So we'll see about Nassamakola. All we've seen from him so far is very, very limited action. Obviously missed almost the entire Arkansas State game, missed all of the SMU game. He's got one nice PBU. So we'll see about his availability. Now, another thing that you know I didn't catch after the game, and I didn't catch until Venables' Tuesday presser a couple of days ago, is Justin Harrington is, quote, banged up. And I guess he was banged up after the game, something with his leg, I believe. And uh, kind of similar to last week with McCullough, Venables was really short uh, about Harrington's injury status, kind of like how he was kind of short about McCullough's. I didn't get the same vibes, though, this week that, like, Harrington – I mean, for whatever reason, last week I kind of thought, eh, McCullough's probably not going to play. I didn't get those same vibes at all from Venables, but, again, that doesn't mean anything. That's just me – uh, kind of reading body language. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with, with Harrington, uh, but apparently the, the top two guys on the Cheetah Depth Chart grant are, are, are not healthy. And yeah, and we don't, we don't really know much about Harrington because uh, he, he played the entire game on, on Saturday. Uh, had, that, that had the interception, the last defensive snap of the game. And so well, maybe I, that's I don't why know. he didn't return it. Now that's, maybe, maybe that's why he didn't return it because he was maybe injured. that's why I was yeah like I was I was absolutely stunned he didn't try to pick six that because, because he, he was had actually a, asked about he had a lot of people in front of him and a lot of space yeah and that's a DB's dream uh, obviously you get the ball and you can take it back he was actually asked about that I can't remember if it was after the game or if it was this week I think it might have been after the game and he talked about just situational football and you know a lot of things can happen if you return it and you fumble or 
and he's not wrong about that, but let's be honest, the game was I mean, OU was up it's, it's not like it was a one score game. OU was up two scores. Like even if he makes a mistake there, it's fine. They're gonna win the football game. Like I Were they up seventeen I'm a, at that I'm a time? total Yeah, it was it was the final it was twenty eight eleven. Like I'm So it's a, a three score game. Sp- Lee, you got you gotta be on top of this stuff, man. It's a three score game. Let's go. Twenty eight eleven? Let's see. When was the last time you could score seventeen points with two touchdowns and two extra points? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're right. You're right. Hold on. Let's see. Okay, a three score game. So let's see. Yeah, I, I'm the whole like football IQ. Don't make any mistakes. There just doesn't hold water for me. Like, go score. Have fun. Go maybe, score. Maybe it's because he was. Maybe it's because he was injured. That's yeah. He, he didn't I, feel right. That's I. I think I think that's probably a decent. That's a decent assumption without knowing anything else. Of course, we're we're completely discounting everything that actually came out of his mouth. But uh, but I don't know. I you're you're an athlete. You're a competitor. You you want to score. I I don't necessarily buy that. Um, no, it's just been it's kind of it's been weirdly quiet this week on Justin Harrington. And I was listening to the the Sooner Scoop podcast earlier today, and they they kind of have the feeling that it's a lot more serious than they're letting on, and that he's going to miss some time. So and that's that's just me saying what somebody else said. But they're close to the program. They report on the program. They would know if anybody knew. So. Um, yeah, that's that's not great. Only in the sense that, you know, Justin Harrington had been talked up a lot and to the point where it was maybe reasonable to suspect that the the coaching staff at least thought he was a big part of this defense. And he had, he didn't do anything in the first two games that that has been like bad. He's actually he's just looked like a competent college football player in the first two games. Um but then of course it, you know, it just adds to the issue with with McCullough also being banged up. So that means you know, if, if those two guys, well, they're not, neither are going to be 100% if they play. Um, so I, I would assume a, a lot of Peyton Bowen, maybe at that position, Reggie Pearson, I think would probably be the most. I'm kind of curious, why, would they ever think about Kip Lewis at that position, just to get him on the field? Interesting, yeah. I mean, we already have precedent of Deshaun White last year, a linebacker who we, we were stunned, who was essentially playing a defensive back type position. I mean, the cheetah is a, a hybrid spot, but I mean, it's, I mean, I know it's a little bit both, but we never in our wildest dreams would have imagined Deshaun white, you know, running around and covering guys. And like, he looked a lot faster last year. So yeah, I mean the idea of Kip Lewis there, but I don't know how much, if he's ever, ever rep there. I remember, I know like Bowen, he was a guy in, in fall camp that repped at a lot of different positions. So, I mean, he would kind of be the logical next man up, I think. And actually it's, I, Man, after kind of rewatching the the SMU game too, I, I watched that and I was like, ah, I think Peyton Bowen is going to be he's he's one of their top guys the rest of the season. He's not going to come off the field that much, I don't think. They're they're going to find a way to get him out there. So yeah, I mean, if if injury issues is a way that can get Peyton Bowen some more snaps and this five star freshman on the field more and a chance to show out, then. So be it. I mean, that's kind of exciting. Granted, I mean, the depth's not great. I mean, you want them to be healthy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, beside that, I don't know what else you do. I mean, do you – maybe do you run a – geez, I guess. I mean, Brent Venables' defense is essentially a nickel. I mean, he doesn't – he very rarely ever runs like a, a fourth – do you put an extra linebacker in? I mean, that's kind of what you were thinking with Kip Lewis. Maybe yeah, I mean, they can like – there's, there's a lot you can do with it. I mean, it, it does – even just like kind of going through this in my head, it seems like they just got a lot more options – in a situation like this than they did last season like that's that's for sure I, I don't I can't even remember who is the backup to Deshaun White like was it Justin Harrington I can't remember either that's not, that that sounds right I know I mean the 
guys on the depth chart behind Harrington and McCullough are Samuel Omashigo and Shane Witter. What if Shane Witter <laughs> comes out of nowhere and uh, is, a, is a thing? One of the guys where we were like playing the game in, in one of our preview podcasts of like, oh, he's on the team still? Yeah, that would ah. shock me. That, that would shock me, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I don't really think that that's, uh, that's going to happen. I, I don't know. Who would you say? I'm putting you on the spot here. But through two games, who who would just say qualifies the most for that? I have one. I have one name in mind. I I don't know if it it works. I mean, I guess Key Lawrence kind of works here. He's been he's been pretty good the first two games, or he he was good against SMU. But you, I had I had another guy in mind. Who who would you say? Wait, what's the category? Like, what's this gamer playing? What's the it, through the first two games? Who would you who who is that guy? Like the guy who's been with the program for for three plus years, who oh. has always just been kind of whatever, and. I, three plus years doesn't really count because my my pick doesn't really fall into this. Uh, yeah, I mean you mentioned Key Lawrence. I mean I of my three guys, you know my uh, you know most irrelevant rankings. You know he was he was the one that I had of like had the be- the best chance of making a you know a scene this year contributing. So I'm not all that surprised to see him getting snaps and, and looking okay. Uh, I. I guess I don't I don't know who you're thinking of aside from I Key guess Lawrence. yeah the first guy that came to mind was uh, Laulu Jonah Laulu when I rewatched the SMU game he's their best defensive lineman I mean yeah it's only a second year and I thought he was he was solid last season too but I mean I feel like I haven't really noticed any of the defensive linemen yet I mean it, remember Trace Ford's on this team allegedly yeah uh, like we kind of made fun of Reggie Grimes and like I mean I sort of the Sooner Scoop guys they mentioned that they didn't see him either uh, I haven't seen my uh, the the big guy up front uh, from Tennessee, to, was it what's his name, Deshaun? Dejon Terry. He's played or Dejon Terry. Yeah, I've I've really seen seen him much at all. So they just haven't they haven't been super. F- it was so weird because I mean last year their defense was dreadful and I mean they just racked up the TFL so much activity behind the line of scrimmage. That has, that has not been the case in the first two games at all. But like I don't know like they've it kind of feels like they've been playing just like much more sound disciplined defense like on the back end. I guess if if you would have presented that to me at the beginning of the season as that's what the trade-off is and I I'd been like all right whatever I guess do what you got to do to play good defense. I don't know, but yeah, no, I agree. Uh well okay, sticking on the the health status update, we do have some good news. Gentry Williams is available for this week according to Brent Venable, so he was banged up early. Kanai Walker got a lot of snaps. Uh, but you would imagine that Kanai Walker would probably get some run after him. Mean, he played pretty well. Kanai uh, Walker got some SMU. snaps and played well. And, like, that's – I think that's one of those, like, kind of depth pieces where it's – it sucked that Gentry went down against SMU and he didn't really play a lot of the game. But then it's, it's like, another one of those opportunities for Kanai Walker, and that's really the first time we've ever seen him get extensive run. And he he looked fine. He looked good. So it's like you can at least – you feel like you can at least, if if one of the corners go down, we know that we have the proof of concept that Kenai Walker can come in and can play well. Um, and, and, you know, we haven't even seen Josiah Wagner yet, who was, by all reports during fall camp, was basically the third corner, and I think he's banged up. So I, I'm surprised no one has asked about him yet in terms of injuries. That's right, yeah. He was the he was a, a star in camp. You know, everyone, the young freshman player who was getting a lot of publicity, um, so just notes on the defense that I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show, but, you know, we were tracking at least preseason. We kind of you know, were going over how bad Oklahoma was on third down last year, especially third and long. 
And so I decided to start kind of keeping a running tally now as the season goes on. And, and also, I want to keep track of the defense. And so, so far, Oklahoma's defense on third down has been one of the best in college football, Grant. Um, so I, I think I had it pulled up here. Uh, OU's top 10 in the, in the nation. It's two games, but, I mean, they're top 10 in, in college football and, and third down defense. Uh, only given up six of 27. That's 22% opposing teams. And uh, specifically third and long, you know, like how frustrating is it whenever a team gets in third and long and OU can't get off the field? Well, so far this season in uh, third and seven plus, the OU defense uh, is giving up only four of 16. So 25% on third and long. Uh, actually, like they're better on third and long than they have been on media, like, third and medium to short <laughs> well i mean which well, I, yeah. okay that makes you sense would, i would hope so sorry. sorry i was thinking in terms of offensively that would be but yeah nope you're right that, you'd hope so Did you have something else uh no i mean it's it's still that thing i mean like and, and i think this is this has definitely been the theme of the, of the podcast so far this season is just i i want to wait and see i need to see it more and it's it, it is looking like though that they're they're gonna get a very real chance to do. I mean, in two weeks when they're in Cincinnati, who and Cincinnati looks like a real team. I, I watched that game against Pitt. Cincinnati's good. Their defense is good. Hmm. Their their offense, I think, might be a little not great actually. But um, <laughs> like they once once Pitt kind of started to figure out what they were doing, they bogged down pretty hard. But their Cincinnati's got some dudes on defense. So, uh, anything else on the defense? I mean, you can, in terms of the game against Tulsa, I, I watched a little bit of the Washington game. Uh, Washington's defense did what they probably should do against Tulsa. The interesting thing about Tulsa's offense right now is that we don't know who's going to play quarterback. Uh, maybe the starter will be back. He's missed basically the first two games. So, they've kind of been, they've been playing with their backup quarterback and their third-string quarterback. Uh, it's a situation right now, Grant, where – if, like I said in, earlier in the show, if Oklahoma's defense is improved like we think it is and is supposed to be better, they need to have a successful time with this offense and kind of do what they want with it. Is that absolutely sound about right? Absolutely. I mean, this is this this is a defense where in turn, like statistically, analytically, it is right there in the doldrums with Arkansas State, R right there. And they they put up seventy three against Arkansas State, and, and that's a lot of points. That's kind of a lot of stuff has to go right for you to score seventy three points. But, hold on, hold on. I'm, talk, I'm, talk, I'm talking about Tulsa's offense. Oh, you're talking about the old, ah, the offense, man. This is just, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. I spent too much time in the yeah, Raleigh I mean, like, airport today. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, the Tulsa offense, it's the, they haven't really had their starter yet. They had him for a few series in the opening game. He had, threw a couple picks. Uh, he's been injured, but he may come back. But what I'm saying, it's, it's, a, it's a game where if Oklahoma's defense is improved and we all think it's better and it looks better, uh, this is a team that often like this is an offense that they should be able to kind of. Uh, I mean, name your score is kind of a cliche, but, you know, Washington only gave up 10 points, so they should be able to do a very similar performance to Washington, who through two games I mean, Washington's had, you know, Tulsa and Boise State. You know, they played two you know, group of five teams and look like one of the better teams in college football right now. Yeah. And so I. I agree with you there. I, I think it's 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 reasonable to look at how Washington's defense performed against them as a baseline. Um, and I think I you know Washington also went up and down the field on offense, but they only scored like forty three points or so. So it makes me wonder if they just kind of took you know kind of eased up on the throttle. I, I would guess at some point I, in time they had a, 
They had a couple turnovers uh, that that hurt them. But Penix was they took Penix out uh, relatively early-ish in the fourth quarter. But I mean, he, even deep in the game when they were up, they, they were still bombing away. I kind of like the like. It kind of made me think like Washington might be a team where even if it's a big number, maybe they're maybe you pick them to cover because it seems like they like to just keep throwing it around with Pen. They trust Penix a lot. So, anyways, yeah, to your point, like they're actually still kind of letting it fly. But yeah, so ten points, four point four yards per play. I, I I think you know if you tell me like right now that OU's only going to give up ten points on on Saturday, I like cool. That that sounds good to me. Um, I I'd like I'd like a little bit better than four point four yards per play though. Let's get it down to four. God, even at three point nine would be nice. I, I I think that's that's yeah. That if, was Arkansas State. I think yeah. There. If if this defense is is a lot better and they're also just improving as well. Go out, go out and show it against Tulsa. This, this is not not a team that's gonna it's gonna wow you with ability on offense. And that doesn't mean I mean this is a Kevin Wilson coordinated offense. So I'm sure there's gonna ha- there, I'm sure they'll be well coached. I'm sure they'll have some stuff, some really nicely drawn up things. Um, but yeah, man, I mean they're they're they shouldn't really pose much of a of a risk. And if OU has given up explosive plays left and right and to and fro, then. I don't know. Maybe something. Maybe something else is still broken there. But I. I don't. I. I don't think they're going to do that. I, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be okay. All right, now let's flip the script. So let's talk offense and just some notes from what we've learned this week. And you know, the big theme of our last podcast, the post game podcast, was Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes. What's going on? Why is nobody asking about? It? And I. It seems like nobody really. They weren't really ta- asked anything after the game about. And I. I don't know if the Art Briles thing overshadowed everything, but. I didn't get any sort of Sawchuck uh, Barnes information until Monday when Levy talked and then he, he was asked about Barnes and Sawchuck. was like, hey, what's going on with them? And so uh, Jeff Levy said on Monday that getting Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck going is absolutely something that is important to the team this week. So, okay, what does that mean? I mean, like, it's also kind of an addition to the way Tawi Walker and Marcus Major is playing. Uh, still not really sure. I guess maybe I think, Levy might have hit, or there was a question of like Sachuk's health, and I think like Levy said he feels good, so I think everybody's fine. Like health wise, there's no issue. It's just I don't know. It's it's still kind of a mystery of why they've been playing. You know, he's two and zero, and again, like maybe it's just a situation where they don't look that good in practice. And Jeff Levy and, and Demarco Murray's like, well, they're not practicing well, so we're not going to put him on the field. I, I, I mean, know. the yeah, I, I I don't know. I I going back and looking at like who played in the SMU game. I and we were we were confused, you know, immediately after the game too on Saturday about what they were doing on offense. I, I don't know what they were doing on offense. Going back and watching, <laughs> I, I don't know what they were doing like at all. The and, and you know, I'm I'm not the last. I'm I'm you know not the first person to to bring this up. But yeah, just like kind of the the guys on the field are a mystery to me about why about who played, who didn't play. Um, Jacquez Petaway not getting a single snap on Saturday is, I, I don't even, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Well, we got a kind of an answer to that question from Lebby on Monday and his reasoning for Petaway not being really part of the game plan at all was because Drake Stoops was back healthy and playing against SMU in that type of game. He said he was trying to lean on the older guys who've played a lot of ball. So therefore a guy that gets nine grabs the day before and is a pretty promising player in this roster 
gets nothing just because Drake Stoops is is back. And, and let's be real, like, there's no way Drake Stoops was 100% healthy. I mean, he just had a shoulder thing. There was the, of course, he had to go up, like, his target in the end zone. Of course, he had to, like, reach up, like, above his shoulder, you know, above his head to try to make a catch. I, I kind of winced when I saw that because I thought, like, is he going to re-aggravate his shoulder injury, putting his, his arms above his head? Point being, come on, you can get Petaway in there for a series or two <laughs> to mix things up, but that was the reasoning. But that was weird. But we also didn't really see Nick Anderson or Jaden Gibson at all, like at all. Oh yeah. Um. I. I mean, and it's it's. I mean, it's still just I. Them trying to feature feature Marcus Major is inexplicable. It's it's not. He is who he is. We've seen plenty of him, and I, I actually have kind of like I, I felt sort of the temperature this week amongst like some others in the fan base, even some even someone who kind of held out hope on Marcus Major. These first two games, this is the most we've seen of Marcus Major in his college career. He's exactly who we thought he was. You know, we didn't, uh, I'm trying to remember last year. I, I think it was probably through three games. Because like, I remember against Nebraska, he still looked good. I think, did he have the, was he the, the beneficiary of a t- that trick play touchdown? Pass. He t- yeah, he had a yeah. He and then he, he also had like a short pass. touchdown run. Yeah, I think so he had yeah, two touchdowns. So like, I'm just saying, it was, like, it was Marcus after, Major it was is after Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Marcus Major is. It seems to be that he is decent when he has a head of steam, and he is in space. That that's it. He is dreadful between the tackles. Dreadful. Uh, just kind of a. It's kind of a wasted carry if you if you're just giving him just a regular <laughs> ISO play up the middle. I it's but also at the same time, if all he's good at is catching swing passes in space and getting like ahead of steam ahead of like everyone's gonna know that when he's in the game. And also, I mean, give him credit. There was he, he had a he had a few really good like pass block reps in that game. So maybe that's why like he's still getting in. Maybe Barnes and Sachuk are just are really bad at that or something, and they know that. I. I don't know. I, I'm I'm really not sure about that. I just the one thing that sticks out to me about the offense is that, especially in the SMU game, they they just desperately need more explosion. They need more guys who can make plays. And to me, it just kind of seemed like all of the guys who we are the most hopeful could be those guys were sitting on the bench the entire game. And that, and yeah, like, by that I mean, yeah. yeah, and that's that's the two you know, rece- the two young. I mean, uh, yeah, Gibson Anderson. I, Petaway, we, I mean, we think he can be an explosive guy, but that's not what he was against Arkansas State. He was a you know possession player, but uh, yeah, to your point, I mean, those guys didn't really get much of a run. I mean, obviously they're really trying to feature Andrell Anthony outside. They they are trying to make Gavin Freeman a thing, which I mean, he can be. I mean, he's talented. Uh, had a drop. I know. Uh, I think Drake Stoops had a drop. So I mean, just not the best thing, but I mean. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd sure like to get these big-bodied receivers that seem like they can be explosive, and especially in a game when, uh, again, I, I didn't rewatch the tape, so I, I don't know how accurate it is that SMU was just playing deep over top and taking away big plays. I mean, I know Venables mentioned that. Lebby mentioned that on Monday. Uh, but he also mentioned after the game that he, he was probably too conservative at times, and which how much did we hear that last year where afterwards he's like, yeah, I was probably too conservative. I mean, Oklahoma State was one big guy. I was way too conservative. <laughs> <laughs> that one yeah it's i like, just okay, we'll stop doing that then man like open it up like stop making the same mistakes over and over and over again i, I guess i mean just from what i've seen so far i i don't even know if we've seen this at all this year but i i just got to think this team is going to be at its best when they go four wide they have a lot of space and gavin sachuk is back there at running back i that's 
I'm and so like and, and I did but like the the Sooner Scoop guys brought this up too but other than Dylan Gabriel and a couple of the offensive linemen Austin Stogner led the offense in snaps against SMU huh he had like 60 he had like 65 some odd snaps in that game play the entire very rarely came off the field <laughs> I you know I mean whatever I mean, if you want I but I don't that doesn't seem like to be the strength of this 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 team which should be space and your kind of short quarterback being able to like scan the field and don't compact everything and don't try to take things out of the box make that like make that kind of like that count on the RPO easier for him it's a lot harder when you got guys in the box especially with tight ends there and like I I I saw the snap counts after the game too I was like Stogner played over 60 snaps. Blake Smith played close to 30 snaps, which means there was a decent chunk of time where they were in they were in two tight end personnel. It's when you think tight end is the worst the worst position on the roster and you got two tight ends on the field like a non-insignificant amount of times, it's very rational to to question that. Like what are they doing? Well, it to me that screams simply let's let's run the ball, which you know Levy likes to run the football. But it's not like Oklahoma was running the football particularly great. I mean, Tommy Walker had a nice game, but they were like, okay, if you're going to run the ball with these big guys and have two tight end sets a lot of the time, how about you put in your backs that can actually make explosive play? Like, how do you put in your one running back who looked better than any other running back on your team in the bowl game last year? And then even mix in some Javante Barnes, who, again, I'm not the big, like, I don't think, like, I, he's a good player. I don't, I don't think he's anything particularly special, but I think he's a better player than Marcus Major. Uh, and... He's, I think he's more explosive than Tawi Walker. I think Tawi Walker's got better vision. I think Tawi Walker right now is by far the best runner between the tackles. He, he can sense he has a better, the best feel for where to go. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to put those tie, all those tight ends in there, it, it signals to me that you want to run the ball a lot uh, more than maybe you normally do, which is a lot. But yet you're putting in your running backs that don't seem to be able to have that kind of success. I mean, I, I, basically I'm just I'm bagging on Marcus Major, which, you know, aside, like, again, he had one nice run. In the second half, which it was off tackle for a first down, and then his other big play was a like you mentioned a catch out of the backfield. It wasn't a run, and other than that, he gets bottled up every single time. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird, and so I don't know. A lot of people think like, oh, maybe they're they're just kind of trying to be in some like vanilla stuff before they actually start shows. Man, that stuff that's way too cute. If that is if that's what they're doing, run your stuff and get good at it. Don't, but like I I don't I don't know if. If if that's what the thing is doing. though, I, I hope that's not what I mean, it is. But Lebby's offense is kind of it is just kind of vanilla, with a couple of creative things mixed in here and there, and they are creative. I mean, he the guy can drop a play. Let's I mean there was some real good looking stuff last season, and there's gonna be moving forward. Um, but like the offense is, <laughs> for lack of a better term, vanilla, because <laughs> they they go so fast. It kind of has to be. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it is like, and I know, like, there's been a lot of, um, and, and I'm glad you brought up Phillip in your opening take, too, because it's, because now we've gotten to the offense, and I'm, yeah, I'm, like, I'm frustrated talking about it, because, and I know everyone is just saying, like, oh, it's like, we've, we've kind of wanted, like, this is actually how we've wanted to win games, like, when we've been complaining, and, and I guess I've always been, there is no reason why both just can't be really good. I, yeah, There's exactly, just no reason exactly. why that can't be the case, I, and... Other like college you, football teams have done it. Yes. Like when you see <laughs> it's allowed. Exactly. And there there is some frustration there. It's like, okay, the defense is finally playing well. It's like they actually look like they like had some good players and like they know what they're doing. And then from there you see 
the offense, and like, I just don't know what they're doing. And I think a lot of it right now is just on, I don't think the coaching staff really knows what they want to do with it. Or at least that, that's, that's, what it, that's, what, that's what the SMU game screamed at me. It's, it's pretty easy to be happy with the offense after Arkansas State when they, they didn't punt until there was two minutes to go in the game. And when Arkansas State may be, I mean, might be the worst team, like worst team in college football. I mean, they, they're awful. I mean, they, they scored like three points, I think, last week. So they, they may be like, I mean, if not the worst team, top five worst team. So uh, anyways, yeah. I, credit to Ryan Aber. I'm kind of looking over his article from the Oklahoman. Uh, he mentions, you know, talking about the offense, he mentions the left guard position and Savion Bird. Uh, you know, he was taken out, kind of struggled, and yeah, uh, Troy bitch. Everett came in. And then, uh, you know, so there's a bit of a, you know, Bird, Everett. But, I mean, like the offensive line's a – maybe we think maybe the most talented position group or like the, the most, uh, I guess, deep, the deepest position group. So, I mean, I not really cons- particularly it's, worried about that. I, I guess. Yeah. That's, and, and that's been, that's been a really big topic of conversation this week. As soon and Venables talked about it too. I know they were, he was talking about how they were really unhappy with the way that they played and everything. And um, I guess it's like, does any, does, does everyone just have like a short memory? We do this every single year in September every year where it's just like oh the offensive line didn't really play that well it's kind of struggling to get going and then and then a month later you look up and it's like oh gosh they lead the big 12 in rushing and they don't give up any pressures like ever at all and so and and i just i'm gonna keep beating the drum beating the drum sure i the offensive line could have played a lot better than they did on saturday but oh man in term like relative to the rest of college football that was still a good offensive line performance i promise you that and so and, and that's not to yeah, say that it's that that's that's not to say that you shouldn't want better and you shouldn't want them to be dominant. I want them to be dominant too, but it's even like even more so than quarterback. OU fans have been so spoiled on the offensive line. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm. I share your thoughts on it, and in my mind, it's 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 way down the list and things that you can be potentially be kind of concerned with and and i'm thinking again like i'm not a practice neither are you neither are the people that listen to this podcast but in my mind it's like well how about you give these other players who we've seen flash and look like they're pretty talented give these other guys a chance to play and maybe that'll make the offense look better and then there won't be an offensive line issue even though there's not really an an issue anyways remember the COVID season when you know, it was Ramondre was still suspended and TJ Pleasure and Seth McGowan were, were RBs one and two. And the entire time, everyone was just like, gosh, the offensive line's been so bad, so bad. And you and That's I were watching. Right. And like, They've been fine. The running were backs the, are terrible. Were we the only ones that were like, guys, it, like, watch the run. These, these running backs can't. <laughs> there's, there's room to go. There's, there's play. And then, That's yeah, to your point, Ramondre comes back. <laughs> and then they're, and now, and they're just, they're great all of a sudden. Oh, wow. And. <laughs> And like I said, I, offensive line looked fine when Tawi Walker was carrying the ball. That's not that's not yep. really a coincidence. All right, let's see what else. Uh, let's go to the West of Everest Facebook page. You mentioned uh, a couple of the comments at the top in the opening take. I think that might be the first time I've I've ever done that. Uh, right off the right off the bat, kind of use you guys as some inspiration for the opening take. But there's a couple more comments that are offensive related from the West of Everest west of everest facebook page and i said a couple i guess just one and it's from hunter by the way hunter also a, a longtime listener big supporter of west of Everest. so thank you hunter uh I do want to mention that hunter is backing up phillips optimistic post 
says he likes it. He wants some more optimism. And then Hunter also adds a separate comment saying this, quote, I must say, been thinking about Javante Barnes and how people are complaining about a lack of touches for him. And I don't really think he's very good. (laughs) Have yet to see him find a hole and run to daylight. Don't really see him make anyone miss in the open field either. As much as people hate on Major, I've at least seen Major do that a few times. So actually, I hadn't looked at that comment before I read it. So I, I didn't know it was going to be kind of negative of one guy, which is fine. Because, uh, like, you know, Hunter, I'm, I mean, I like Barnes, but I'm clearly not as high on Barnes as a lot of people were, you know, last season. And I think through a couple games, I, I don't know. I mean, I was, I was more into the idea of him being better this year when I found out that he was banged up last season. But he, for whatever word, you know, he gets, what, 15 touches in the first game and then two last game. We all want to see Gavin Sachuk play, and they're just not giving us Sachuk. Uh, I don't know. I'd kind of push back to, uh, a little bit, though, Hunter, on saying majors seen like see him like run to daylight. I don't know, man. Like the one nice run he had in the second half against SMU was off tackle. That was, I mean, that was the only time really where he kind of fell with his blocks and there was a hole. And he's done that here and there, but for the most part, I, I don't. I mean, to your like Javante also is not the best at at vision and finding the right way to go, but at least Javante always seems to fall forward and get a few yards. Like major does seem to get bottled up and get stopped for no gain or like behind the line of scrimmage. But yeah, you, you want a lot more out of both of those guys. No doubt about it. And again, I want to see Gavin Sawchuk play. <laughs> Give me some Sawchuk. No, I was kind of what we saw from Barnes against Arkansas state. I was kind of concerned. He, I didn't think he looked very good. Um, and so like all, but yeah, I mean, it's more to come on that, but our friend uh, Brady Trantham on his on his podcast. I think it was their post game podcast on Sunday that they recorded. But I think he mentioned it was like it would be nice or something if Marcus Major was just like if he was just like you know Brennan Clay or something. I think he maybe even even compared him to Brennan Clay as saying like that and like Brady, my man, Brennan. If Brennan Clay was Brennan Clay would be far and away the lead back right now from what we've seen of like any like I, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty I'm. That's the one thing. I, I'm pretty down on the running backs after the first two games. I, I don't I just have no idea what's going on. I thought I thought that was gonna be the best position group on the team. They just they and so far they don't look like they have any juice, like at all. Yeah, even in garbage time against Arkansas State, when we saw some of the freshmen get some carries that were like, Oh man, if heck if Sawchuck and Barnes can't get on the field, why can't these potentially explosive freshman on the field but no didn't see them at all against smu uh and so yeah i i'm with you i can we start the campaign can we start the campaign to get jalil farouk 10 carries a game can we please just start the can like how, how can we get this going can we can we contact someone who's got like who's got connections who's got like seriously well how bad we want to do this because i everybody make a phone call I might I might burn a bridge, but I could probably make a phone call. Because <laughs> like I that's from what we know, that guy he's the best on the team with his ball with the ball in his hands in space. That guy right there. He's yeah. That was I I you go back and you watch you watch his touchdown. That was dirty. That was oh, it yeah. reminded me of um really going back, but that um 2008 against Texas Tech, Joaquin Iglesias. I know exactly had a where you're going. Exactly. exactly and you're, and you're that was like that. Oh, that was like exactly the same. And it was just filthy. Absolutely filthy. Wow. A Joaquin Iglesias versus Texas Tech 2008 reference. I love it. Yeah. Gosh, it, you're right. Get, that's, 
if they could get Joaquin Iglesias level, like like level uh, production out of Jalil Farouk, then we're rolling, baby. We'd be rolling. Yeah, I mean, if you're not gonna put out Gavin Sachuk or Javante Barnes, uh, okay, you know what? Throw out Dalen Smothers or Caleb Hicks. Like, give give the freshmen some care. I just I want to see somebody else. Like, I've seen enough of. Well, and Tawi Walker. Get Tawi Walker. Tawi's good. Tawi's fine. Ta- From what we know right now, if if Tawi Walker is is not starting the game on Saturday, I I do not know what they are doing. Unless unless it's like Javante Barnes, then that's that's fine. Cool. But sure. yeah, man, if it's not oh, if it's not Tawi, I don't know what's I don't know what's going on. So I I, I kind of stopped you twenty minutes or so ago when you were gonna. You know, you're talking about, you know, we kind of had our wires crossed and you're talking thought you were talking about the Tulsa defense against Oklahoma's offense. And so, I mean, similar, the Tulsa defense, you know, put up, you know, gave up 43 to Washington. Um, Penix had no problem throwing the ball. They turned it over a couple of times. It was kind of sloppy. Uh, one was a fumble. One was a bad pick by Penix, I saw. But uh, this is a good get right situation for Oklahoma, no doubt about it. I mean, you got to be able to score against this Tulsa defense. I mean, everybody knows that. Got got to show up. Yeah, and this is a game where I, man, I, I hope they're just you. You gotta you gotta score fifty at least. You have to. It's a failure if you don't. I mean, I guess we can. You know, I, I it, if they weren't to if if they were not to score fifty, I guess we'd have to see what the circumstances were. But, I, man, you, this they're dreadful on. They're really bad on defense. They they should be able to have whatever they want, especially in the passing game. All right, well, let's go to around the Big 12 as we move on with the podcast. Uh, man, it's a, not a great slate, really, in college football this week. Uh, kind of interesting matchup, K-State at Missouri. Uh, K-State's number 15 now, uh, laying four on the road. Uh, we'll talk about that in our pick segment. Kind of a tough week for, you know, to pick five games to pick. Uh, let's see, Baylor has got a you know, FCS team. Iowa State's at Ohio <laughs> Iowa State laying three on the road at Ohio, playing a MAC team. I mean, none of these. Well, let's get to so Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati. Okay, so Cincinnati is laying fourteen, and uh, you mentioned I think on the show, you know, like you know before, like hey, if they they knock off Pitt, like there's a chance, you know, and Oklahoma takes care of business. At, that's that's two undefeated teams a week from Saturday, and Big Oklahoma noon takes care of business. Kickoff. That's right. Yeah, eleven a.m. kick. I mean, it's. Right now, based on odds, it's it it'll it would be uh, two undefeated teams meeting up in Cincinnati, and so I still have Cincinnati yet to watch is, Cincinnati play. They're only favored by two touchdowns. What do you mean uh, against uh, who are they playing again? They're playing against, uh, Miami, against Ohio. Miami of Ohio. That seems to be I'm, I get maybe and maybe that's maybe this is a situation where I need to look inward here and and you know I think this is so off, but yeah, I. I I would if if I was in a legal betting state, I would bet this. I I would try to to get Cincinnati at like a, at an alternate line, maybe two touchdowns higher than that. <laughs> I just you're that confident in the Bearcats, huh? I think they're really good. I think they're really good, but like that's where you know I have to I have to question myself. Maybe I'm 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 you know putting the cart before the horse here potentially. Um, that just, I mean, that, Miami, just, that they, looks off to me. Miami just beat UMass, which is a FCS team, and, and they lost to Miami, Florida, uh, decisively in, in game one. 
Well, UMass so, is not in the I FCS. Mean, Come on, man. Since when did they move up? Like, I mean, they've been in the FBS for over 10 years, I think. No. Yeah. No. I, I used to play. UMass is in, is in the very last NCAA football game that was released. They're, in, they're, they're playable in NCAA 14. They don't have FCS teams in that. Are they independent? I don't think they're independent anymore. They were when they first came on. I think they're in the I think they're in the Conference USA. Oh wow, yeah. So like they might be in the MAC. Well, maybe they're independent. I don't know. Oh no, they maybe. are they are independent. And they play a lot of MAC teams. No kidding. I thought I didn't know UMass was I thought they were an FCS team. I mean they've been pretty I mean uh, they've been they've been just aw- I mean they've been awful. They've been in the bottom like bottom 10, like every single year they've been in the FBS. That's okay. I'll just clean this up in the podcast. No one will ever know. I messed up. I, I'll probably forget. Uh, so, okay. So Cincinnati laying 14 at home against Miami of Ohio. This is, uh, well, I'll bring up another West of Everest Facebook page uh, comment. And another longtime listener, big supporter of the show, Caleb. Caleb, thank you for your support. Caleb says, I took your advice on Cincinnati or BYU. Caleb says his wife and him are headed to Cincinnati next week. Also purchased tickets to go to the Reds game on Friday night. So Let's Caleb, go. you got the same schedule as us. Man, they keep, well, don't want don't to oversell Skyline Chili because you know, if you don't like it, you won't like it. But No, uh, go in with try. low expectations. Low expectations. At least, go at least with, give it a shot. Go in. Go, like, I, you're going to hate it. Go in thinking that you are going to hate it. That's that's that would be my that would be my uh, suggestion, man. That's that's great. I'm, I'm glad you're going to the Reds game on Friday night too. As we're recording this, they are still tied for that third wild card spot. So there is a there's a chance you can see some pretty meaningful baseball on that Friday night, and that'd mean a lot to to Cincinnati Reds. That'd be a pretty special night for them too, especially if they're in the the playoff hunt for me as well. So that's uh, that's something everyone should do if you're going to be in Cincinnati. Let's see, Oklahoma State had a. Got, you know, beat Arizona State. They're two and zero, but they got a weird quarterback situation going on. I haven't seen OSU play yet. Uh, I know they're playing like all their guys. Uh, Texas Tech's trying to avoid what an zero two or zero three start. They're, they're, we'll beat Tarleton. Uh, BYU and Arkansas is kind of interesting. Uh, Arkansas, Arkansas struggled with Kent State last week, uh, at least at the start. I mean, like, I think they ended up blowing them out. But like you know, Kent State, we talked about how they're one of the worst teams in college football, and it was. Like pretty close at halftime, so yeah, they struggle. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be BYU an interesting. Might have a good defense. Yeah, and their but their offense has been really bad, or it was really bad in the first game. I think they they put up a little bit more numbers in the second game. I think they played Southern Utah. That's an FCS team. Um, we'll see. I don't know. And this is an Arkansas team who they are not known for playing good defense. Um, I you know against I think Kansas against Kansas in their bowl game last year they gave up like nine thousand yards and sixty points, but still won. <laughs> um so yeah that'll be interesting to see like if BYU struggles to move it on Arkansas then yeah they may be in a world of hurt offensively so that, that's definitely an interesting game the next one on this list I think is really interesting yeah Pitt at West Virginia the old backyard brawl right I mean uh West Virginia laying two and a half at home I mean but Pitt coming off that loss to Cincinnati I guess they're just playing all the big 12 teams <laughs> uh yeah I mean West Virginia is showing some signs of life I suppose 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were they, they we'll didn't see. in the sense that they didn't just lay down like a doll or a rag doll against against Penn State and they actually had some fight, but still were decisively beaten. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, no, OK, so this next matchup makes me mad, Grant. OK, so I, I mentioned at the top I was in Cheyenne, Wyoming most of the week and Cheyenne, Wyoming or Wyoming is a, a legal sports betting state, which was very cool to be in a place like that for you know days because uh, you could kind of get ahead of stuff and it was nice to have the access and I thought I was real real clever and smart when I was kind of shopping around and on Monday I saw Wyoming catching 28 and a half at home against Texas and I thought oh Wyoming they beat Texas Tech a couple weeks ago they're a good football team uh, on one of the other sites, it was like 27 and a half. So I was like, Oop, I'm going to get that extra point, get that, get that hook of value. And now we get to Thursday night. And sure enough, money has been coming in on Texas, and it's down to Texas minus 30. So I thought I was getting ahead of the line. Instead, I, I didn't. I got, a, I got a terrible, I got the worst of the line. Still, I mean, 20 and a half is good. But, but Texas minus 30 against Wyoming? Wyoming's a good football team. I mean, let down game after beating Alabama. You're going on the road. I think it's the road. I think they're going on the road. Maybe. I'm, oh no. I'm sorry. At Texas. My bad. Duh. At Texas. Still. Yeah. That would make. Yeah. That make no sense if they were playing at Alabama and then they played at Wyoming. That wouldn't make any sense. Uh, but still, I mean, it's total letdown spot by the book. But I'm kind of su- surprised that the number has grown from 28 and a half to 30. So there's your uh, your sports betting talk of the the day, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Texas is really good. I'm. I don't know what to say about it. Uh, who knows? To me, it's just it's a it's a classic letdown spot against uh, a solid Wyoming team. They're a good team. So um, TCU at Houston, TCU laying seven and a half, and Houston just gets man, they got smoked by Rice <laughs> last week. They after get smoked. The they lost. I think they lost in overtime. They didn't get smoked. Oh but really? They I thought they got to be like three touchdowns. But they lost yeah. to food, so that's bad. <laughs> they lost to. I think it was. I think they, it I was like. Maybe, four, isn't it forty three to forty one? I think they lost. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I like. I think they were favored by like two touchdowns or something, though. So maybe that's what I'm kind of. They lost as a multiple touchdown favorite. I think at this uh, point. Yep. I think at this point right now, if I think if you had to take a poll, I, I think Houston's the worst team in the Big Twelve. A- after the first two weeks, I think that's a pretty decent bet at this point in time. That's the case. That's how the the win total was set up. They were at four and a half. So that's interesting. And then lastly, Kansas is at Nevada. Kansas is the four touchdown favorite. I mean, man, how, how times have changed in only a, like a few years. Kansas, the the laughing stock of college football, and now they're going on the road and laying four four touchdowns. What uh, if so? What if yeah. the whole like something that we just didn't we didn't uh, we didn't foresee? What if like the top four in the Big Twelve is OU, Texas, Kansas, and Cincinnati? And like and that and the this the easy schedule everyone thought that OU had. Oh. And they, they play the other three best teams in the Big Twelve, none of them at home. What if it's possible? So only two pretty, games down. The whole like I guess but like Kansas like looking really competent and really good really shouldn't surprise anybody. I was really kind of shocked that a lot of people were sort of like iffy on them going into this year. And I, I kind of bought into it too. I was like, that's what everyone is. So there must be something I just don't know. But yeah, no, it's like, there's, it kind of seems like there's that natural progression there. They, they brought back everyone on offense from a top 10 offense a year ago. 
So obviously they're still really good there. And it looks like they've they've at least made some some marginal improvement on defense and Lance Leipold clearly can coach football. Good coach. Yeah, I mean they supremely outperformed expectation last year by going what? Uh, I think were they 6 and 6 and then they won they won the bowl game or they uh, uh, they and, lost and they lost to Arkansas in overtime. That was okay, they ended up losing that game. Um, but I, their win total was like two and a half. And so like, they flew over that. And so now their win total, I think, going into the year was like six, six and a half. So, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess they could keep it going with Leipold and exceed expectation again, win something like seven, eight, or nine games. I guess we'll see. All right, let's go to the pick segment. And last week, it may have been for the first time ever, you and I had the same exact picks across the board. Maybe it happened one other time. I don't know. I mean, we've done this podcast now for six years. Seven years? Seven years, I think. Yeah. Woo. So uh, we were both three and two last week. On the season, I'm five and five, and you are four and six. So flip a coin. That's basically what it is when you give out picks. This week, uh, not the greatest games. These are tough lines, uh, I think, at least. So uh, we'll start with Penn State at Illinois. I know Drew Aller's getting a lot of of, of publicity. Uh, Haven't really got a chance to watch, watch him that closely. Uh, Penn State laying 14 and a half on the road so of course there's that hook Illinois just coming off a loss to Kansas in Lawrence uh, Illinois gets that you know extra day to prepare because they played on a Friday night and I'm pretty sure these are the two teams what was it either a couple of years ago where they went to like seven or eight overtimes when they were doing two-point conversions or whatever and oh Illinois yeah ended up upsetting Penn State uh, so just based off of the number here and the fact that Illinois just lost on the road uh maybe there's a little bit of sneaky value on illinois even though they might be a really bad football team but since they got the hook there and they're at home i'll take it so i'll take the illini plus the points and i'll actually take penn state here logic simply being of that that of the kansas illinois game i watched last week illinois offense looked terrible like they like they like they struggle to to move the ball forward for sure and penn state probably has a top five defense in college football so I mean, you, this this may be like a this may be like a like a twenty to three game or something like that. Okay. So let's see. I'm on Illinois. You're on Penn State. Next up, we talked. Uh, we mentioned K State and Missouri earlier. We'll talk about that game now. Uh, I, I watched a good amount of that K State game last week. Uh, they look good. Kansas State looks like a good football team. Uh, Grant, I, it was never really close. I'm blanking on who they were playing. They were playing like a Mac Troy. team, I think. Okay, Sunbelt team. And uh, it's kind of a kind of a weird line cuz I don't I don't think Missouri's had a good like Missouri's 2 and 0, but they haven't played well, I don't think. And you would think that this line would be K-State by more. So that makes me kind of gives me a little bit of pause here. I think yeah. Can I really buy into the Wildcats on the road? Uh and honestly, my hesitation is going to lead me to to take the the home dog. So I'm going to take the home dog again, Missouri plus the 4. Yeah, I'm also on Missouri. That's this is a pure. Like, I think Kansas State's better. I think like this isn't a. Still think Kansas State is absolutely a threat in the Big Twelve. Um, but also they won the Big Twelve last year and they lost to Tulane at home when then they just looked awful. And so I, um, yeah, this one this is more of a betting principle one. This this is definitely one where I think a lot of probably a lot of sharps are going to be on Missouri. 
Next up, really interesting non-conference matchup. We were talking about this a couple weeks ago when I was in town, and you, know, you and your friends were talking about this one. Minnesota's on the road at North Carolina. North Carolina ranked number 20. Uh, I think they have another shootout back-and-forth game with App State last week. Like I know they had a crazy one last year. I think it was it was really close. I don't know if it was a shootout though. I know that was last season. They had a crazy shootout game. It, they won. Way, f- uh, yeah, North- it was. They went. It went to double overtime. They won forty to thirty four. North Carolina did. Jeez. So North Carolina is on uh, at home. Uh, laying seven and a half against Minnesota and Minnesota's offense and Grant you can speak to this I'm sure is not great but the defense looks pretty good so it'll be a good test for that North Carolina quarterback uh, but I just I hate that hook but I just don't know I mean Minnesota can't score but can they score against North Carolina who seemingly gives up a lot of points um, Wait, I, mean, I, I don't I, we, we don't know it's so weird because I, I think everyone was really impressed by North Carolina in week one against South Carolina and I randomly, I was, I was, I was laying in bed in my hotel room last night in Raleigh, and the SEC network was on, and there was kind of like a weird, like little condensed game of of South Carolina's game against Furman last week. South Carolina struggled big time with Furman, like in the first half. I mean, it was, it was, it was neck and neck. I mean, they were just trading blows. <laughs> it was so South Carolina neck. might, South Carolina might suck. And I, mm. and you know, I. I'm 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 going Homer here. I, I think the, I think the go I the Gophers are going to win. I take them straight up. Interesting. Well, I just it's it's just one of the I the Gophers are 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 just are an underrated defensive team. This is a top ten defense in college football. The Gophers are bringing into Chapel Hill. Um, they 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 started to play a little bit better last week. They ran the ball a lot better last week. They ran for over three hundred yards against a Max school. Granted, but. Uh, I don't know. I think this this is this this number is just a little too high for me. I I don't really understand this number. North Carolina back and forth, close win over App State, coming in now playing a really tough defense. Drake May, May, you know, Drake May kind of struggled last week. I'm looking at the box score; didn't have a touchdown pass. So yeah, maybe you're right, Grant. Maybe the North Carolina an offense that looked really good in Week One is actually a bit of a mirage, and now they're gonna go. I mean, they're playing at home, but against one of the better defenses, uh, and that defense, a team you know that is catching uh, a touchdown and the hook. So, yeah, I think, I think your pick of Minnesota is pretty good here. I'll go with the Gophers as well. And it's, it's not just – I mean, there's, there are three legit NFL players on that Gopher defense, two of them in the secondary. So, um, I don't know. They're probably going to make life pretty hard on, on North – and North Carolina didn't move the ball exceptionally well against South Carolina by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. All right, so this next matchup is super interesting just because of off-field issues that happened this week. Washington, who's a really good football team, we've already talked about them a little bit. Uh, the line has ballooned up to 16 and a half on the road because they're playing at Michigan State, who essentially just fired their head coach and Mel Tucker. And that whole situation is just crazy. So I grant this can go, I mean, one of two ways. It, number one, crazy. The coach just, I mean, I know he's like, I think technically suspended, but I mean, I think reading news stories, it sounds like that's just a formality. They're going to, so that's like legalese stuff that they just like have that yeah. their lawyers are telling that they have to do just just in case. And so, yeah, this is going to I think this can go either one of one of two ways, either, you know, classic. This team just is in disarray. Uh, really good. Washington's coming in here anyways. Already a much better football team than Michigan State. And it's just a disaster for the Spartans. And Washington wins by at least four touchdowns or or <laughs> it's the it actually Michigan State plays inspired football 
Because like I've said in this podcast for years, Mel Tucker's not a good coach. And granted, I you know, didn't ever think he'd be fired because of off-the-field issues. This is a totally separate thing, more just because he's not a good football coach. I figured that's why he would eventually get fired and be run out of town. Uh, I guess his you know, off-the-field stuff is going to get there first. So maybe losing Mel Tucker as a coach is actually going to be a good thing for Michigan State. But is it a good thing right off the bat against a really good Washington team? I, it's, this is actually tough for me because, again, I just think Mel Tucker is, is not a good coach. And it's, it's shocking that he was able to win they're, they won like 11 games or something a couple of years ago because the rest of his career, look at his, he's awful. Like his teams aren't good. So it was, it was total uh, flash in the pan. Uh, yeah, it was Kenneth Walker. I, yeah, Kenneth Walker. <laughs> Kenneth Walker's good, yeah. Uh, as much as I want to grab Michigan State plus the points here just because of you know, my emotional feelings about one Mr. Tucker, uh, I, I'm kind of like, I, I, I hate that the number is not as good. I'm sure, I'm sure Washington was probably – it's probably I think it's moved like three points. So I think I mean it was probably below two touchdowns before the whole Mel Tucker thing. So you're getting a bad number with Washington, but maybe Washington's just really good. So I'll just kind of bite the bullet here and grab the Huskies. Yeah, I, I can't take Michigan State here. I, I just I cannot do it. So man, we're we're not totally the same, but we're on three of our picks we're the same so far. We're 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 gonna have to diverge on this one. We'll see what happens. Well, I'm kind of stumped on this one. Next one is Tennessee, number 11, Tennessee, laying six at Florida. I, I mean, this. I look at this, and I think it seems too easy to take Tennessee. I, but also, I'd love a full touchdown if I'm taking Florida, not just the six. I, I don't know if, if Florida's any good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I they, feel like if you take got, it, if you if you take Florida on this, you might as well just take them on the money line. Mm, yeah, I like that. That's a good point. I don't know. There's I, no ranked matchups this week. What if like what if this is the chaos? What if Tennessee loses at Florida? It's a rivalry game. The only problem is I think Billy Napier is a bad coach. So I don't know if. Hmm. But are we sure Josh Heupel's a good coach? Are we are we positive that he is? He can coach offense. His team score points. I think that's pretty clear. Um, he's to his credit, he's doing it in the SEC before Lincoln Riley's getting a chance. Well, I guess he's not going to be in the SEC. So like Riley never did it in the SEC. Heupel's kind of. I mean, had a successful season. They beat Bama. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I I think I think Josh Heupel is a good coach. I think there's enough evidence there to say that he is. Um, but I get your point, though. I do. Uh, I just don't know if I trust. But, I mean, in the swamp, 6 o'clock game, as much as I want to take Tennessee, yeah, I think I think I'm a, I'm, it's going to be a dog, a dog week for me for the most part. I'm going to go with another dog. I'm going to go Florida and, and probably regret it after a quarter. I'll go with Rocky Top. All right, so we're gonna but th- this, this is a hard one. This is a tough one. This is a game that I'm assuming this is probably going to be one of the most bet games this week just because it's, you look at the slate, it's probably the most, you know, it's probably the most aesthetically pleasing matchup, I would guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people are going to be going back and forth on this one. I, I'd be curious to see if that line moves in the next 36 hours. But um, yeah, I'll take Rocky Top. There was one other game that I thought about putting in there, uh, but I, I didn't just because the number was so big, but it's getting a lot of publicity today, and maybe you've seen it, but I know you've been traveling and stuff. The Colorado-Colorado State game. Anything with Colorado right now is going to get a lot of attention. Uh, 
What's the number uh, on that? Well, it's big. It's Colorado by 24. But the big story is that Colorado State's head football coach, I d- I Jay Norvell. I yeah. am. I got to be honest. I'm so uninterested in that. I don't even like I, I whatever. Like you got to do what you got to do. But I think it's kind. I think it's kind of lame that Dion is even taking that and is using it as motivation. It's it's like it's really not that big of a deal. But competitors do it. I mean, competitors I, do what they what they got to do. I guess everything that he's done so far has worked, and it's like until something goes wrong for him and the team, it's almost like, yep, okay. Like, how do you not lay all those points just because? Like, as badly as I want to be like, come on, this is dumb. They're making it a whole thing. Watch Colorado State, you know, keep it close and then cover, you know, backdoor cover at the end. And then it's like, uh, but like, I guess even if Colorado wins, that's all that matters. Uh, I'm not touching this game. I wouldn't touch it. But it's it's very fascinating how how things have worked out so far. Uh, that game last week, I, I don't think we talked about it maybe a little bit, but Colorado in the first half did not look very good. Nebraska's defense looked really good, but Nebraska's offense was awful, and they were just turning it over left and right. Oh yeah, if not for like if, if not lucky. for Jeff Sims turning it over, that was I, like on a play-by-play basis. Like Nebraska was kind of controlling that game, and Jeff Sims just totally just like uh, yeah, all of like the all of the Jeff Sims just like it's not slander because it was true, but all of like all the Jeff Sims talk like while that game was going on last weekend. People talking about like, gosh, Scott, they might, they got to think about pulling this guy. Like, he's the reason they're loot. Like, yes, correct. It was it. Like, they came in. Like, Nebraska's defense was doing a really good job against Colorado before the floodgates so opened. Bad. Because yeah, and I think yeah, how that's, did they not put like is that how bad is that how bad Chuba Purdy is that it took him until Sim. I think Sims got injured. It, it took an injury to get him in there. Like, they might have a worse quarterback that's a worse quarterback situation than Oklahoma had last year. I mean obviously Sims is worse than Dylan Gabriel but even like depth wise I if there's nobody better than that dude <laughs> playing uh, but real quick to Colorado's credit and Deion Sanders's credit and the coaching staff after halftime it was a totally different game I mean they dominated after halftime oh they did and they definitely did that's second half adjust like that's like halftime adjustments maybe I don't like good for them like they played a full 40 minutes or 48 minutes and looked a lot better after halftime who does uh coaching? Who, who does Colorado play the week that OU is in uh Cincinnati? Oh my gosh, they play Oregon in Eugene. They go they play Oregon and USC in back to back weeks. Gosh, yeah. those are yeah. just gonna be my Crazy, word. Right? That is just like that's just gold. I mean, TV like Fox, man, they just struck gold on that. Not only is like and they're actually like good too. That's I, good for them. It's 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 cool. Like at least it's at least it's Colorado and not some sort of just like stupid school who doesn't deserve it. <laughs> well, it looks like the Oregon game though was on ABC, so Fox didn't get that one. But you know, maybe USC, maybe they get the USC game. I'm sure that. Well, that's I, 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 I yeah. That one's TBD. I would guess that one will be. If if I mean, I mean, it's not gonna be like yeah, dude. Caleb Williams versus Deion Sanders. That's gonna be. That's gonna be the the one that. Yeah. ESPN ones, obviously, Big Noon is going to want that. Um, I guess they just played on Big Noon, so yeah, that would be a 10 a.m. kick for them. So they just did it. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. I would, uh, I would, yeah, I would really like that to see Lincoln Riley's USC with Caleb Williams at you know a sun-drenched Folsom Field at 10 a.m. on Big Noon kickoff. That'd be pretty dope. 
I'd, yeah. Hey, I, you, you got me. I'd be watching for sure. What's the I mean? What's the total in that game going to be? <laughs> Holy hell, man! Um, like, Seventy-eight and a half. I mean, serious, seriously, like it's going to be some. It, it may be the biggest total ever before game. That's eh, probably hyperbole. Actually, honestly, both defenses are not good. Two quarterbacks that are really good. Two really. I mean, Lincoln Riley, one of the you know best offense of mind. Uh, Colorado's offenses looked really great through two games and against a good defense in Nebraska. The most and I, know, so I like, mean, good offensive coordinators punk Alex Grinch 100% of the time. <laughs> True. True. All right, so to recap, uh, a lot of similarities again, but a couple differences. So I'm going to lay the – or no, okay, Illinois, Penn State. I'm on Illinois plus 14.5. Grant is laying it with the Nittany Lions. We're both on Missouri plus the four against K-State. We are both on the Golden Gophers plus seven and a half at North Carolina. We're both on the Washington Huskies laying 16 and a half on the road at Michigan State. And we're splitting on Tennessee and Florida. I will grab the home dog in Florida catching six. Grant will lay it with Josh Heupel and the Vols. All right, well, let's see. A little on-air production meeting Right now, unfortunately, Grant, I will not be available after right you know, immediately after the game Saturday to record a pod, so we'll have to do it Sunday morning. I've got some evening plans uh, Saturday night, so uh, it'll be kind of back to like our normal schedule from the past where we would record the podcast on Sunday morning, and then I guess this time I'll be able to I should be able to post it earlier on Sunday uh, than before since I don't have to go into work anymore. But uh, just throwing that out there for you, just to let you know here on the on the show. Hope that's cool. No, it's not okay. You're gonna you need to cancel those plans that you got on Saturday night. No, I don't I don't care. I mean I'd like to I'd like to do it right away. I think it's it's kinda cool we've been able to do that the last two times, but I It I is kinda, nice not having to do yeah. it Sunday morning. But also it's it's nice not having to record a podcast right after an OU game. There's yeah, there's a lot of things that are nice and not nice. <laughs> Hot take. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the game on Saturday. Hopefully, Oklahoma can come out, look really good, and improve to 3-0. and So we'll be back uh, on Sunday to talk all about it, everybody. So for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.